Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Welcome out, everyone. Welcome along to Seeds Podcast. Well, it's Anzac morning as I record this in 2023, and I woke up remembering a conversation I had with the historian Rowan Light. And in our conversation, we talked all about Anzac Day and its meaning, national identity, and what it is that we're celebrating. So I just jumped back into the original audio and pulled out those parts of that interview. And I thought I'd record this little quick intro and then get it uploaded so that some of you could listen on Anzac Day itself. I hope you find it really interesting and that you found ways today to commemorate and reflect on the sacrifices of pre previous generations who have done so much for us, lest we forget. If you enjoy this, then why not let one other person know about this episode, because they might enjoy it too. And don't forget, there's lots more information at theseeds.nz. Also, just advance notice, be watching out, because I'm going to be announcing the Seeds Impact Conference, which will come up in October 2023. I'm really excited about it, and I know all of you will be as well. Now, here's the excerpt of my conversation with historian Rowan Light. Do you mind um, framing the next part of the conversation around Anzac Day mm-hmm. in terms of some people who are listening, they're in the States or they're in the UK or mm-hmm. they may not know the, the, yeah, sure. the sort of context of it, but can you just explain, uh, well, actually, this this leads in nicely. <laughs> can you just explain a bit of the background, but then also how it developed over time maybe mm-hmm. to become what it is today in our mm. own cultural context? Yeah, well... Just I, a simple question. That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, okay, so I suppose we've talked about ANZAC a few times. We've thrown yep. that word out, and it's it's based on a on what was an acronym for the Australian New Zealand Army Corps, mm. which was a a, um, a corps set up, established in the First World War, and so um, Australia and New Zealand were, were dominions of the British Empire, and so mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the Australian New Zealand um, government's committed committed um, troops, and they were formed into this um, joint force that uh, was um, to be part of the British, the broader sort of imperial forces. Mm. And which, which, mm-hmm. which just I just have a comment there, because when you think if a war was happening in Europe today, mm-hmm. like the connection isn't that strong, is it? When mm. you think about the mm-hmm. context of what life was like for them, it mm. was still very much a almost the colony, wasn't it? Mm. Sort mm-hmm. of the mentality. Yeah, extra- yeah, it is. It's it's worth pointing that out that it's it's an extraordinary thing uh, for and it, because it was it was a compelling thing to do was for the for Australians and New Zealanders to there was no doubt no doubt about yeah. it that that's what we would do we would be for a king and country and mm-hmm, exactly yeah. and and there was a, I mean I could we could talk at length about this which is you know the formation of of Australian New Zealand settlement and mm. was very much seen seen themselves as as part of a British world, mm. and they saw themselves as part of the empire, and yep. that that was what gave their life kind of a framework and a kind of cosmology. The context and meaning of where mm. they sat. That's right. The, it was very much the sense of that the the best was in Europe, and that you would transplant those mm. the best that was British and British institutions and and literature and and uh, and then uh, sort of ground these in this new. New place, mm. um, which of course was a very old place for mm. for Maori and, and for Indigenous Australians, mm. um, and that was makes for an interesting history of history in our countries because history, of course, has always was a, a key kind of way in which British 
uh, British people in the 19th century kind of connected themselves to to Britain mm-hmm. and you know the sense of the traditions and of and institutions of, of what it meant to be British and so the the the, the Australian and New Zealand settlers um, were very conscious of their need to to sort of write their sort of history uh, mm. and um, yeah so uh, yeah so. So I've distracted you from talking about Anzac, so I'm sorry for that. No, that's but fine. Let's come back to it. So you've got the Australia New Zealand Army Corps, mm-hmm. and they're sending troops off mm-hmm. to fight. Yeah, right. So we're in the First World War, and um, there is a part of the British strategy to to knock out the the Ottoman Empire, which is is uh, recently entered the war in in, in um, 1914, and is is to um, to stage what is uh, the largest or the first actually um, amphibious sort of modern amphibious landing in mm. sort of in the, in the war and uh, at Gallipoli, mm-hmm. which is um, the uh, yeah is uh, I won't sort of go too much into the geography, but um, uh, <clears throat> what we would call modern day Turkey is part of this kind of broader st- sort of strategy and uh, and on April twenty five. Um, the, uh, first the Australian troops and then later the New Zealand troops are landed as part of this broader kind of um, strategy. Mm. So, okay, so it's a, yeah, this part of this, this war and um, the campaign itself is, is fairly um, disastrous and it it's becomes one of many kind of, one sort of, an, I suppose, a, um, I suppose a, if we think of the First World War as kind of a war of, of, of um, you know, mass casualties, you know, the first sort of uh, modern war and one of, of, of sort of mass, mass casualties and mass violence. Well, the, the Gallipoli campaign is, is a good example of that. Mm. Um, the war goes on for a number of years. Mm-hmm. There's a number of battles. There's a number of casualties. There's a number of bad situations. Mm-hmm. What was it, do you think, that, that meant that that particular day and that particular, um, I guess, event mm-hmm. sort of, transcended and became the thing that is used to remember back Anzac Day you know yeah right so so I suppose in Anzac Day is now the is the day when we which is on every April 2025 which Mm -hmm. commemorates the landing Uh, and it sort of it appears Anzac Day appears uh, immediately so in 1916, so on the first anniversary of the landing there is a right there are commemorations held in Australia New Zealand and across the uh, in, in London, there's a there's a parade of Australians, New Zealand troops through London, and and uh, but I think that um, so in many ways, uh, even so, Gallipoli became part of a sort of a a broader context of the war. So mm-hmm. there were, I mean, if 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 you take for example, if you go to the to any sort of um, a significant war memorial in places like Australia and New Zealand. So if, you, if you're in Auckland, you know, you go to the Auckland War Museum mm. and you'll see on the outside of the building, which is um, are all the battles that, the, that New Zealanders were involved in. Yeah. And Gallipoli is there, mm. but it's actually one of many. It's mm. quite a, um, and you would have, um, in a sense, quite a, not, not a major, certainly not prominent, it's just one of many, it's... Uh, mm. It's alongside other um, battles in, in Palestine and um, and Egypt, which were um, part of that sort of Middle Eastern theatre of the war. But there are the battles in the Western Front, and mm. most famously, you know, the Battle of the Somme, uh, Passchendaele, 
which um, also result in sort of mass casualties for, for the Australians and New Zealanders. Mm. So what's kind of interesting, in a sense, for, for my standpoint, as, as somebody who's interested in commemoration and the history of commemoration, is the way that Gallipoli in many ways has become kind of more um, central and kind of more total, totally kind of encompassing in how we think about yeah. Anzac commemoration and the sort of history of Australian and New Zealand involvement in war. Mm. Um, and is there is there an easy answer to that question then? Because mm. I think you've, you've, you've kind of confirmed what I thought, which is that there war is awful there's many yeah. battles there's many people dying yeah. in many different situations but mm. i guess what i'm curious about is what what was it that elevated gallipoli mm. in that particular day like yeah, what, sure. was it that that i don't know was there a poem written or something that yeah. somehow it transcended yeah, the battles to yeah. become mm-hmm. the battle <laughs> as yeah, the one sure. that we will remember it is yeah so there's it's a it's it's quite a um it's, it's a very interesting question. And I think part of it, one, for example, is that in many ways, you know, we talk about the, the imperial context of the, mm. of the war. And part of the, one of the energies that, or one of what energised people to take up arms from, 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 from Australia and New Zealand and head over to Europe, to, the, to home, mm. head back home, was a, a sense to prove that we had to prove um, ourselves. As, and I say ourselves, but I mean British um, settlers um, in Australia and New Zealand who identified themselves with in, as part of this imperial world, and they, mm. there was very much a sense that they had to go back to show that they were that the best of the British race um, mm. would um, would fight and would they were prove royal themselves and noble and exactly, sacrificial yeah. and exactly, and that yeah. they would fight, you know, what for king and country. Yeah. And so, in many ways. Uh, what we see in, in at the outbreak of the war is actually an anticipation that this battle, how it would be a moment of of great sort of um, a great moment because right. it would be the first time that these that in large um, that in large numbers these these sort of British um, settlers would 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 um, would fight for the empire mm. and. <clears throat> So it sets it apart in a way because it was Australian and New Zealanders mm-hmm. who were going in to do this battle yeah. rather than sort of mixed among many others. Yeah, that's right. And, and very much a sense that this was the first kind of um, this first moment in this in this in this this war. Um, mm. So in, in that sense, it's 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 simply chronological. It's, yeah. it's what came first. Right. Um, and what has, but what's important subsequent is, as you said, the writings and the poetry and the mm. the, the the records and the and then the the sort of I suppose when we think about why we remember things from the past and not others, mm-hmm. we take into account, you know, the what I kind of often call the kind of ecosystem mm. of of memory, and that's you know um, that's people. So some people were particularly taken by the Gallipoli campaign and mm. and wrote compelling narratives about it which became popular and, and, and great poets um, and people who were energized to, to set up you know museums which mm. which promoted the memory of that battle so it's partly um, a, a sort of constellation of things mm. that shape what today we, we associate that link between Anzac Day uh, and Gallipoli mm. and uh, yeah yeah, no, it makes sense. And what do you think it says, or I don't know where this question is going, but we're, we're commemorating a defeat, mm-hmm. right? Like it was not a good experience for the people. Many people lost their lives mm-hmm. rather than commemorating a victory. 
<laughs> you know, like mm. the time that the Australian and New Zealanders took this particular vantage point. And, mm. you know, it's kind of playing out a narrative mm. where actually something really awful happened. Mm. And yet that's what's remembered. Is there any, yeah. is there anything worth yeah, well, commenting on there? Or? It is interesting. I mean, that's, that's often been a aspect of it, which is sort of, I think, added to the, the tragedy yeah. and the tragic um, and aspects of, of, of the Gallipoli story. I suppose um, what's important is the way in which uh, the context, and we, again, we've talked about the sort of context of, of empire, mm-hmm. which was the provided the reference points for the initial kind of way that people tried to make meaning of, of these mass casualties and mm. and one, one of which was it was very celebratory. So the sense that Australians and New Zealanders had contributed and that was kind of what counted. Um, it wasn't right. so much the broader military objective. Um, but I think that, and this goes for the broader commemoration of the First World War, that the old heroic sort of modes mm. that people drew on to kind of to try to make meaning of the war didn't hold up. Uh, over time and that's because of the fact that um, people came back from the war and the the impact of the war was felt in Mm. in those decades and of course we then have you know we had the the compounding kind of impact of the war and Mm -hmm. um and a growing sense of the mass yeah of what a mass war entails Mm. in terms of not simply the 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 ones who die but also who come back and who are maimed and and also the way that this war transformed societies mm. so that we we often maybe focus on the on the combatants on the western front for example but of course it was a war that transformed the lives of everybody mm. in, in in those societies which participated even those societies which didn't participate which were <clears throat> neutral to the war mm. were also profoundly changed and so i think that um yeah what's interesting is the way in which the i think gallipoli uh, part of I think one of the appeals of Gallipoli is, is that has been the the sort of growing uh, appreciation of the growing sort of the voice of of the the soldiers who mm-hmm. who fought, um, and that's certainly been a, a way that the history of the of the campaign has been written in the last forty years, um, and very much an emphasis not on the heroic, um, not on the, the 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 brass so to speak, but very much the kind of the from the front line yeah. back the soldier yeah. in the rain yeah going to going to his doom or whatever right you know. yeah and the thing mm-hmm. uh, yeah i hear what you're saying and what strikes me when i'm driving around new zealand you know visiting a small town and there will be some memorial in the town mm-hmm. and you go up and you and they often will have the names of the people who went you know it'll actually list out the the people who mm. left that town and you look around and you think this town is tiny mm. and there's like 25 names on this memorial yeah, yeah the impact that it had at that time just emphasizes to me the tragedy of it because mm. everyone was affected right and yeah, so sure. in that way it kind of resonates that this awful event mm-hmm. is what got remembered because it mm. resonated with everyone who was so saddened by losing their brother or their sister mm. you know or mm-hmm. whoever it was that had gone off yeah. Off to fight. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's right. And if you were to look at some of those memorials uh, and you were to, if you were familiar with perhaps the community and mm. you, you might recognize names, surnames, and, yeah. and that's often the case in some of these small towns in New Zealand and small sort of and suburbs of, of our cities is that you do have 
you can identify families mm. who have sort of and, and and we can see some of those connections and the way in which the impact of that war can can resonate for generations mm. and also perhaps partly the appeal therefore of the kind of of being able to situ- place ourselves and connect ourselves with that 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 um this this war this moment in history mm. um, so we've been talking a lot about anzac day itself um, just thinking of it because it's really a way of commemorating the past isn't it mm-hmm. um, do you have any thoughts about i guess commemoration itself yeah well i suppose uh, it is interesting because one of the, the the questions that we ask about anzac day is basically why why does it why is it still around mm-hmm. why do we place such an impo- big emphasis on it uh Usually, we can talk. We sort of scholars might talk about two kind of broad reasons why people commemorate any given historical event. One of which is that we've talked about, which is a personal, mm-hmm. might be a personal connection, so a family member or a friend um, related to that, or in this context, in the, the war, so somebody who's lost um, or was affected by the war. Then we might sort of put it a little bit larger and maybe put it in a more social context or a community. In which people have kind of, I suppose, we think about remembrance as having a kind of social function. And people, for example, you might be part of the, you might be a government official. You know, you might represent that community. So, of course, you're going to go mm. to a commemoration, or you're 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 part of the RSA. You're the, you know, you're a veteran, part of a veterans organisation. So you have a, you're a religious leader. So you have a sort of social function that you you play in that remembrance. Mm. But we have, if we have that kind of personal social memory, mm. if we can call it that, we have kind of what might be identified as a more sort of broader cultural significance that people make of commemoration. So they, they go to commemorations because they have a sense that this, is, this holds kind of a deeper cultural significance. Mm. And I think that kind of speaks to the way in which Gallipoli and what you've been sort of intimating and we've been talking about is, is how uh, something becomes kind of, yeah, can become a kind of take on that sort of uh, what we might call a myth, you know, something which grounds us in a bigger sense of who we are, mm. um, which doesn't necessarily have a personal connection, but takes on a kind of a broader sort of um, sort of almost cosmic kind of aspect to us. Mm. Um, and kind of echoes back to our earlier point about your own childhood, right? Like the fact that your grandfather told the stories about being Irish Catholics who moved mm. to New Zealand, that mm-hmm. that gave you a sense of place mm. in a way mm. it's, what we're talking about here is that sure. as a nation, mm-hmm. Gallipoli sort of transcended the fact that it was one battle of many mm-hmm. and, and has now quite a high place within the thinking about the past. Yeah, right. And that, that's really the, the role that memory plays mm-hmm. in many ways is, is, is it, it's, it gives us identity. It, so it tells us you know, where we've come from. So we, you know, we know that we've changed over time and we, we know that ourselves as people, but we know that as communities. So communities change, but memory is about kind of creating that connection and saying, well, we change, but we're the same and we have that connection. Mm. And it also tells us it's also about teaching kind of obligations. You know, memory is if we think about things that we remember, we remember them with a sense of learning a lesson Mm. or um, or that's how we do things. Mm. That's how things should be done. Mm. So and that's the same for and we've got to be careful about translating, you know, that cognitive experience of memory as people as individuals to societies and because mm. obviously that that the mechanism of remembrance is different but it carries the similar thing so so memory works to to give to to ground a, the identity of a of a group 
mm-hmm. and it also kind of teaches uh, it sort of passes on sort of lessons for, mm. for that for the future mm. and uh, memory works in that way so it's very and it's very um, uh, personal mm-hmm. and it's very um, powerfully it can be very powerful emotions around us mm. and um, and can be very um, yeah very sort of very much bring the stuff that you know brings cements a community mm-hmm. um, I suppose what historians try to do is to who have we have a different kind of if, if memory is one kind of relationship to the past it's one way that the past kind of influences us mm-hmm. historians sort of try to stand back and, and, and apply a different kind of uh, have a different kind of relationship to the past which is one where we try to be a bit more um, not simply um, well, part of it is, is telling the stories of a, of a community and a people, but also trying to kind of put that, um, kind of, I suppose, um, give that a, a cr- critical edge, you know, to understand, you know, where, where, why, why do we remember? You know, mm-hmm. why do we remember some things and not others? And why do we, so in the context of Anzac Day, why do we remember um, this moment in our history mm-hmm. of, of all sorts of things that we could remember as mm-hmm. a community and a, and a nation? Why do we remember Gallipoli? And um, certainly that's an interesting question, I think, because we, in places like Australia and New Zealand, where we have a history of, of, where, uh, of, of, um, of war and, and, and violence in our, own, in our own country, you know, we have. Mm. Um, so why, what, is it that is a, what is it about Gallipoli? Well, I think part of it is that it is a, it's a sort of a, a place where uh, it's beyond our shores. I mean, that's another, perhaps to our listeners, they might, particularly if they're from America and Europe, they might think that's very peculiar. How can you have this this incredibly important moment in history, yeah. which is so far away from, from your home? And I think that's part of the flexibility that Gallipoli provides, is, is actually it is. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a canvas quite far away that we can project our... our our identity and our sense of who we are and that those moral lessons that we mm. we, we we take from commemoration um, which can be sort of take out perhaps some of the politics and the the more uh, uh, sort of uh, the discomfort of of histories closer to home right and and particularly when we're thinking about Australians and New Zealanders those histories of settlement and, yes. and, and, and the colonial wars and um, confrontations that arose um, between indigenous people and, and settlers mm-hmm. Um, now, so I've so, just chucked a whole lot out there. No, it's good. There's a lot of content there, but I'm just thinking, uh, just picking up what you said, you know, projecting offshore in a way, mm-hmm. it it allowed people to connect, but not really connect with the day-to-day mm. life in mm-hmm. New Zealand. Mm. Um, but one thing that interests me as well is the fact that, you know, Gallipoli was now not last generation it was like the generation before mm. the last generation so the people who are going to the services and you know commemorating it's not their grandparents it's mm. their you know potentially great grandparents or great great grandparents yeah. and yet there seems to be a resurgence or a mm. real interest in a, lots of people are going out for the dawn services and remembering and in, in that way it's kind of transcended even its place in history because mm. it's become mm. more about memory of the sacrifices mm. that people were willing to make for a cause that they believed in. Mm-hmm. That's my take anyway. I don't yeah. know what you think about that. No, I think it's it's a really interesting 
yeah example of that kind of transmission of kind of what that as we described earlier that personal social kind of commemoration mm-hmm. which I think would have def- was what defined Anzac Day from 1916 up until the 1960s really mm. was it was it was something for veterans mm-hmm. it was something which the audience of Anzac Day was very much the the returned servicemen mm-hmm. so, um, and emphasis on men it was about the men who went to the war uh, and it was about a sort of a commemoration of their sacrifice um, but now as you've I think identified it's sort of very much much more that's a cultural um, relationship that we have so so in many ways the interesting thing when we talk about the history of Anzac Day is that in the 1960s people said well look the veterans are dying off uh, right the the RSAs are, uh, you know p- fewer people are attending Anzac Day um, yeah the the RSA the returned service organizations are kind of looking a bit um, no one really wants to join them anymore you know there's fewer fewer of yep, the soldiers fewer veterans yeah yep, makes um, sense so just like any other sort of so this little ceremony it's going to die out yeah right eventually exactly that sense that and that's there's a certain natural mm. pro- organic um, process that mm. goes with that and that these things have a life shelf life and and um, now what's interesting of course is that here we are in 2018 and it hasn't gone away and in fact what's interesting is that in the 1960s and the 70s which was kind of like the, the low points and, and, and when people thought, well, this is it. We won't, Anzac Day won't be around in the next few years, certainly not the next generation. Um, by the 1980s, kind of goes, undergoes a big transformation. Mm. And that's a transformation in terms of, of people going to Anzac Day and uh, a sort of explosion in what we might think of as, as a kind of cultural kind of material around Anzac Day. So we have film. You know, we have suddenly films being made about Gallipoli. We have uh, books um, being written about it. Um, we have people going to Gallipoli. Mm. So a big part of our um, experience of Gallipoli today is, is actually physically going to the to the to Anzac Cove, where the, the Anzacs landed, and, and there's the on April 25 the dawn service, and then there's the various commemorations of the particular battles. And you have tens of thousands of people uh, in 2015 for the centenary attended mm. the dawn service, um, orchestrated by the Australian New Zealand governments. Um, you know, it's big, big, big deal. That's a really a phenomenon of the last 20 years, and right. very much tied up with a boom in, in tourism. You know, we travel more generally mm. um, than people did in the uh, several generations ago. But sort of speaks, I think, to a kind of a an interesting kind of global aspect of, of the Gallipoli mm. of Anzac Day, which it does, it's a bit exotic. You know, we go to this exotic place and and, um, and we can we make that part of our overseas experience when people are on their way to London or perhaps, you know, Australians and New Zealanders living in London, they, mm. they make the trip to Gallipoli as part of a kind of a, almost a rite of passage, you know, connecting themselves to this place. Mm. Um, so that's certainly part of this, what we could talk all day about, which is this kind of culture, this sort of reimagining of, of Gallipoli as a kind of cultural myth. Mm. It's almost transcended, isn't it? That mm. that mm-hmm. particular event or anything. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And and that's where I think historians, again, and I suppose I'm, I'm um, partisan to the role of historians, but that they play in the sense that this the the, the potentials for this remembrance, which can be powerfully sort of can empower communities and can connect people to 
to each other um, needs to be taken you know critically and we have to be critical about histories of, of war and violence um, and, and because they can become um, yeah they need to be um, understood mm. in context and we have to understand the the reasons why this this event took place and and we can ask the question of well, why do we make this our so important to our national story and mm. are there other parts of our national story that we also need to give kind of mm. emphasis to well i think we should go there because i i wouldn't want to have not touched on this mm-hmm. parihaka mm-hmm. what is it that means that that you know because that mm. was a tragic event that happened you know well before gallipoli mm-hmm. and yet it's only in my experience it's only relatively recently that people are kind of talking about it memorializing what happened there Mm-hmm. It was. It's on the sideline of history, mm. rather than being given a prominent place as a national thing to commemorate and realize that things were not going well and right back mm. there. I'm throwing this out as a real open question because mm. I don't know where we're going to go. Sure, but sure. have you thought through that sort of thing? Like, what is it that? Because we've talked about this battle that happened thousands and thousands of miles away, mm-hmm. um, and yet, as you'd alluded to before, things have happened within. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Mm, sure. Yeah, well it's it's a it's a massive discussion because I think remember when we remember things mm. uh, we forget things and that's that's uh, inherent in remembering is mm. that we forget because remembering is about sh- shaping a narrative mm. and giving it a plot and, and a start and a finish and yes. and its heroes and and villains and it and it necessarily means simplifying things and and that's with whether that's our own lives and how we reminisce mm. and and um, with all as as, as as nations, and so Parihaka, I think, is part of of shows that the complexity of that mm-hmm. of, of that um, that commemoration is is uh, fraught, and, and, and is is um, we have to kind of question, I think, the kind of cultural agendas that that um, underpin commemoration. Mm. Um, so Parahaka is yeah very much part, I think forms an important part of our history a great history of 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 peaceful resistance mm-hmm. and in many ways I think what's been a little bit disappointing about the first the centenary of the first world war has been in many ways we've emphasized Gallipoli mm-hmm. so we've put a lot of emotional and financial investment in in the centenary in 2015 of Gallipoli but less so this the end of the war the mm-hmm. armistice which we're going to Mark um, mm. the centenary of in a few days, yeah, right. November eleven, and there's been some sort of commemoration of that, but it's not exactly uh, not on the scale yeah, of the annual exactly day. exactly, yeah. and that says a little bit of a shame, right? Why, why mm. do we surely we should mark um, the end of this war with with mm. great um, enthusiasm um, rather than the beginning of it? Mm. Which comes back to a point I asked about, actually, which is why Gallipoli, mm. which was a battle where people lost their life. Mm. Why not one where they had a tremendous victory? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, like the day that the war ends, mm-hmm. in a way, that seems like a logical day to be commemorating. But mm. I guess it does come back to the things we've talked about, which is it was a sad, awful thing. Yeah. And therefore, the the defeat was what resonated. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and I think in terms of, the difficulties of yeah of, of commemorating Parihaka mm. is that it does it, it's it's not so nice it's mm-hmm. not so I mean that sounds a bit silly if we think about oh, Gallipoli wasn't it wasn't nice but yeah. it, perhaps it was a little bit less uh, morally 
um, difficult to, to work through. You know, we have the enemy, the, the Turks, and we yes. have the good, you know, the outside, and, and you had, you know, a line that they fought over. Um, yes. Whereas settlements and histories of settlement in, in Parihaka are much closer to home. Yes. And much more difficult because they are things that took place on our own soil by our own um, our own people. <clears throat> and um, in a sense, the, the history is, is for, makes for a much more... It's not, a, it's not one that we can simplify. No. And it's full of yeah, complexity and, and I suppose it therefore takes a lot more effort and, it, it, mm. and it's gonna, um, it, it requires us to sort of sit down and, and to hear um, difficult truths. Mm. Um, Which I guess comes back to the role of the historian, right? Mm. To, to document, to present, mm. and to help people not forget um, because I, I'm just, I think it was in 1984, one of those books mm. where it says basically, you know, the, the winner writes the history, mm-hmm. that type of concept, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, what is it we remember? Well, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you won the, if you won the war, then you write about what happened in the war, mm-hmm. as opposed to the loser probably doesn't write the history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that speaks to the fact that history can be abused. You know, history mm. can, you ha- can have bad history. Yeah. And I think what I like, you know, you've mentioned at the start of this podcast that partly it's about giving a voice, you know, and hearing mm. the stories of people. Mm. And that's one of the ways that the historian can, that's one way that history and history um, in any form, whether that's a podcast or a book or a, yeah. um, or a, uh, you know, a conversation uh, can um, give speak truth to those um, to those uh, sort of buried um, pasts, mm. and I suppose um, that's right. So the one we have to be critical of 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 certain histories that might have been, as you say, written by the winners, mm. um, by giving a voice to those who aren't that we don't hear and that who don't have the clout to speak, mm-hmm. and also by being yeah, that history provides that kind of critical foil. I think mm. to to um, remembrance, and mm. um, so I think, you know, we need both because ultimately we're facing decisions today that we can learn from the past mistakes mm-hmm. from, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the beauty of of history. You don't don't hopefully don't repeat the mistakes sure. of the past. Yeah. Just thinking through for yourself and your own purpose. You know, you talked about being um, overseas and then coming back to New Zealand, wanting to contribute to this place that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel you're doing that in your role as a historian? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I think part of, in many ways, at the moment, I'm I'm sort of early in my career, and who knows where I might be in a few years. I mean, it's 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 hard to say. But um, I think for me, teaching is a big part of. Uh, what I really enjoy right. at the University of Canterbury and helping my students, talking to my students about these kind of topics, you know, why do we, getting them to think critical, mm. critically about um, things like national history and, and, and commemoration. Mm-hmm. And also but helping them to kind of make those connections and say, well, what about my history and what about my community mm. and how can I tell these stories? Uh, like, you know, like you do with this podcast, how can we... Um, where this and it, it's really exciting when I see my students um, make that connection between history as, as a discipline, you know, as a as a dry, potentially dry, academic discipline, mm. but as as also something which is is lived and experienced, mm. and uh, can make make for better people and make for better communities. And I think um, you know I see students when I you know they they've come back after 
the break and they've because they've been doing working on an essay or something and they've gone and maybe the essay is about their community you know it's it's and they've talked to their neighbor and, and you know or, or gone back to their their school and reconnected with i don't know their old teachers or or they've gone you know they've gone back to their marae or their their church or their um their rugby club or whatever it is mm. and i can see yeah that they've so history is is very much about that those relationships i think mm-hmm. and that's very much i think an exciting what i i think is a really uh, what I really enjoy about being a historian is mm. being able is being able to to help um, students and and to 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 do that. Um, and I suppose I enjoy, um, yeah, I enjoy telling telling stories. And uh, I suppose I enjoy the uh, yeah the opportunity to to kind of. Um, have, give students sort of those moments when they see the world differently mm. in a different way um, in a way which they hadn't and start to see connections and for themselves so mm. no that's really good yeah because one of the things i often talk about with people here is purpose and why they do what they do mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. it's really it's it's helpful to hear not just the detail about the anzac you know and mm-hmm. and all the work that you've been doing there but also to get a sense of this is fulfilling purpose for you as well mm-hmm. All right. Well, Rowan, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really fascinating to dive a bit deeper and explore Anzac in particular. But I think we touched, we had many rabbit holes <laughs> that we went down. Really appreciate your time and wanted to say thanks for coming along today. Well, I really enjoyed it. So. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that reflection on Anzac Day that I had with historian Rowan Light. There was a whole bunch of highlights for me, and it really got me thinking about the meaning of Anzac and reflecting on those who have come before and the sacrifices that they have made, lest we forget. Until next time! Mm-hmm.